Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. We are in the second week of a really short series, just a three-weeker, called Abide, Formed and Fruitful. And um, it's all about how we find that place in the presence of God where he can renew us and refresh us. It's what we were singing, nothing is better than you. Better is one day in your house. Those were wonderful worship songs to start um, before a sermon on abiding. And we're going to be looking in the Gospel of John, chapter 15. So if you've got a gadget or a Bible, and I think it's going to come up on the screen. We're um, listening to Jesus' words after he's done the bit about the vine and the branches. Uh, This next bit is the bit that I want to unpack for you today. So, John 15 and verses 7 to 11. He says this, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I'll put this down a bit. Can you do this for me, Jeff? Can you lower it? I'll keep going if you don't mind doing that. Thank you. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Thank you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So what's Jesus' invitation for us? Well, at the heart of this teaching is an invitation to live rooted in the love of God. So much around us is uncertain and stressful. And the longing that God has for each of us is that we operate from a foundation of love and joy and peace in all of life. A few years ago, um, you would not have described me as a calm person or particularly rooted person, probably. I lived with quite a lot of anxiety. I used to worry about things. And if I couldn't think of anything to worry about, I used to worry because I hadn't thought what I needed to worry about. And there must have been something. And uh, Andrew and I were thinking about this. It was when we were on our sabbatical, actually. And we came to this place where we were like, if we are full of the fruit of the Spirit, and if the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and gentleness, then if we're operating from a place that's different from that, then we're not operating out of where God wants us to. He wants us to live from a place of settledness in our spirit, a place where we know that he's in in control, a place where we don't have to be anxious and worry and stressed about everything because God's got it. And so most of this talk comes out of the place where I've really pushed into, God, how can I know your presence? How can I know that you're with me? How can I experience you on a daily basis? Because that's the place that God wants us to live out of. And that place is abiding. So to abide or to remain, the words used at the start of John 15, and then Jesus unpacks it in this passage. And the timing of this is really important. This is the night before Jesus was crucified. So he was having the Last Supper with his uh, his disciples, and he chose this to be some of his last words before he went to the cross. I wonder if that's because he knew we might find it a bit hard to stay with him when he isn't physically with us. And we tend to remember people's last words, don't we? So perhaps that's why Jesus chose the night before he went to the cross to talk to them about how to remain in him. 
John Tyson said, we often talk about God being absent from our lives, but in this culture of distraction, I wonder if we are the ones absent from him. I think he's right. So to abide is to become aware of the presence of God in all of life. Now, abiding isn't a word we use a lot. Let me illustrate it for you. If you've got a phone, everybody's got a phone, haven't they? Pick it up for a moment. Now, do you know how long the average person spent on their phone last year, every day? Jeff thinks it's four hours. Any other guesses? Eight weeks. Oh, I don't know. I haven't done the maths. Jeff's nearly right. It was four hours and 48 minutes was the average time that anybody spent on their phone in 2022, which I think is a lot of time. That's up 30% from 2019. The average person touches their phone 2,400 times a day. So we remain on our device. We abide with our device. We continue to be present to it all the time. Now, I don't want you to feel too bad. This is a useful piece of kit, but we need to be the boss of it. You see, every feature of every single app that we have on our phone has been designed to cultivate addictive behavior. And it works, doesn't it? Software giants literally are geniuses, and we are probably addict addicts. There's a pastor in Silicon Valley called Jay Kim, and he um, has most of his congregation, I think, they all work in high-powered tech giant companies. And he wrote a book called Analog Christian, and in it he said this, the digital age is in the business of commodifying our attention. The technologies of the day are determined and designed to keep us scrolling and swiping at all costs, plugged into a feedback loop of impatience, comparison, outrage and contempt. Blind to the dangers, we enjoy its temporary pleasures, unaware of the damage to our souls. So we are all busy abiding on our phones, but Jesus said, abide in me. I'm the true vine. The truth is in Jesus. The truth isn't internal, it's not in the realm of my feelings, it's not on my social media feed, and it's not out there in culture. And so we have this daily invitation to abide in Jesus, to continue to be present to him. And I love the insight in the beginning of Mark's gospel, in Mark chapter 3, he said, um, it says this, Jesus appointed the twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. So the calling of the first disciples, and indeed the calling of every disciple, is to be with Jesus. Now we don't get to walk around with Jesus like those first followers did, but we do get to walk with Jesus by faith. So abiding includes both time and quality. So the time factor means that when we abide with Jesus, it's not a quick fix to solve all our problems. Abiding isn't um, a remedy that we just get off the shelf when things aren't going too well. Uh, and then put back on the shelf once life's back on track. So we don't stop spending time abiding in the presence of Jesus when things are good. No, abiding in Christ is a lifelong relationship with him. And the quality factor means simply that the relationship with Jesus grows more rich over time. Just as friendships or marriages change and deepen over many years, so it should be with Jesus. So Andrew and I have worked out a simple acronym for what it means to abide. And um, there we go. It's come up on the screen. So A, abide, is to become aware of the presence of God. To abide is being aware of God's presence in all of life, not just on a Sunday or not just if we open a Bible. All of life. Brother Lawrence, who was a 16th century monk, said the most holy and important practice in the spiritual life is the presence of God 
That is, every moment to take great pleasure that God is with you. And the author, Max Lucado, said this, don't equate the presence of God with a good mood or a pleasant temperament. God is near whether you're happy or not. So here's an illustration. We don't often think about the air that we're breathing in and out. Yet it's in us and it's around us all the time. And in the same way, the presence of God is all around us and even in us. We can simply take every breath we take for granted or we can choose to become aware of every breath. And in the same way, we can take the presence of God for granted or we can choose to become aware of the presence of God. Let's just slow down for a minute. Let's become aware of our breathing for a moment. We can breathe in and breathe out. We breathe in and we breathe out. In and out, in and out. Later I'm gonna teach you how to do a breath prayer. But as we, as we go, remember that very breath is a gift from God. If you've ever sat with somebody who's dying or you've sat with somebody who's taken their last breath, you will know that every breath is a gift and you're thankful for it. And in the same way, we can become aware of the presence of God at any moment. We can do that on the go in the middle of a busy day or we can make some focus time where we can become aware of the presence of God. We can sit with our thoughts and feelings or our burdens and our joys. The spiritual practice of the daily examine, which many of you may have heard of, starts with an acknowledgement of the presence of God. It starts, you are here and I am with you. And sometimes those moments with him are profound and often they're very ordinary. But in it all, we're learning to be present to him. So that's about becoming aware of God's presence. B, the Bible. Let God's words his, his written word, his spoken word, be in you. My words refers to everything that Jesus taught. The Old Testament was written to point to Christ and the New Testament tells us all stories about him. So letting his words abide in us means being at home with the whole of the Bible. This book is the primary way that Jesus reveals himself to us. Yes, there are prophetic words and there are dreams and visions. And those things sometimes happen, but this is never gonna pass away. This is never going to change. So if you want to grow closer to Jesus and get used to spending time in his presence, spend time absorbing what he says, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal his truth to you. Because to get closer to Jesus, to abide in him, we have to read this book over and over until we're at home with it. We can be confident that every phrase, every word comes from a place of love. So we read it, we reflect on it, and we respond to it. A, become aware. B, Bible. I, integrate God's word into your life. It says uh, in, in our passage, in verse 10, if you keep or if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Jesus clearly doesn't want us to think that abiding his love is just a fuzzy feeling. He clearly states that in order to stay in that place, to, it, we have to keep his commandments. And the flip side of that would be that if we're not living in obedience to his commandments, if we're in disobedience, we're not abiding in his love. It's relatively easy, isn't it, to trust God when things are going well. 
But the test of our obedience is when things don't go quite as we thought, when we're walking through difficult trials. And we may not understand why those things are happening, so we have to choose at that point. I was reading about Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. They were missionaries in Ecuador in the 1950s, and they were sent to um, do evangelism amongst the Orca tribe, which was a previously completely unreached people group. And Jim died when he was attacked by the very um, people he had gone to reach. They threw their spears at him, and he died. So Elizabeth lost her first husband that way, and she lost her second husband to cancer. And she told a story of watching a shepherd and his sheep. So the, sh- the sheepdog would herd the sheep up a ramp and into a tank of antiseptic, which the sheep had to be bathed in to keep them healthy. And the sheep would be struggling to escape, and the shepherd would be using their staff to fling them back in the tank and hold them again under the antiseptic. And Mrs. Elliot asked the shepherd if the sheep understood what was happening. And he replied, they haven't got a clue what's happening to them. Miss Elliot said this, I've had some experiences in my life that have made me feel very similar to those poor sheep. I couldn't figure out any reason for the treatment I was getting from the shepherd I trusted. And he didn't give me a hint of explanation. But, she pointed out, we must still trust our good shepherd and obey him, knowing that he has our best interests at heart. It's through obedience in those times of suffering that we grow closer to Jesus and we become more aware of his work and his presence in our lives. D, direct your prayers to God. Verse seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So Jesus is speaking specifically about prayer here. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. It sounds a little bit like a lottery ticket, doesn't it? Whatever you wish isn't a blanket promise. It doesn't cover, Lord, I wish for a million pounds. It doesn't cover, Lord, I wish for a happy, trouble-free life. We have to look at the context to understand it. The context is, if you live in me and my words live in you, ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. So when we spend time in the presence of God, when we spend time meditating on the words of Jesus, then his words shape our longings and our prayers. And our prayers become more about what God wants and not us using God to get what we want. These words aren't easy to understand, I know, even if we limit them to prayer for kind of kingdom things. Like many of us will have prayed for someone who died without knowing Jesus yet. And you would have thought that that would have been a prayer that God would have answered in our, to our knowing. We think we can know God's will, but we don't always see from his perspective. We can pray that God will further his kingdom, but we just don't know what his will is in every situation. Jesus promises to do whatever we ask, but the scriptures still tell us to wait on the Lord because Jesus doesn't say when or how he's going to do it. Remember, the Apostle Paul's longing and prayer was for his fellow Jews to be saved, but he never saw that prayer completely answered in his lifetime. We learn to live with mystery. And God often accomplishes his purposes in ways that seem quite backwards to us. We pray for his gospel to spread and then God permits persecution or we pray for power and his power is made perfect in our weakness. Rick Warren, who is familiar with pain and loss because he lost his only son uh, to suicide, he said this, God doesn't owe us an explanation for everything. And actually what I found is that explanations don't comfort What comforts is the presence of God, not the explanation of God. And I think that's a really powerful thing. 
So coming to E, be expectant that God's at work. He is at work in you. He is bearing fruit in you. Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. The reason God chose us is so that we'd bear fruit. The point of planting a fruit tree is not that it looks pretty and it has nice leaves. It's to grow fruit. And God has given each of us different, different gifts, and we're to use those to bear fruit for his kingdom. Now, I am not much of a gardener. In fact, I can kill virtually any kind of house plant that you give me, but I can identify some trees. So if I see a tree loaded with round orange things, I can sensibly work out that that's an orange tree. And if I see a tree with round red things on it, I could probably correctly say those are apples. It must be an apple tree. And you might go, well, duh. Anybody can identify a tree by its fruit. But remember, Jesus said exactly the same thing. We should be able to be identified by our fruit. It's kind of convicting, isn't it? Someone should be able to look at our lives and go, aha, that's a Christian. They should know by our fruit that we're following Jesus. Do you think they could? Do you think people will be able to look at you and immediately know what fruit you're producing and where it's coming from? It's a sobering thought, isn't it? Well, you may have heard the quote from the Westminster Confession that the chief end of man is that we glorify God and enjoy him forever. And Jesus says we will glorify God when we bear much fruit. The good fruit is God's work advancing through us and God's character growing in us. So be expectant of good fruit and expect to be full of joy. Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Obedience and joy. What pops into your head when I say the word obedience? Is it duty? Is it rules? Is it no fun? Does the word joy pop into your head when we talk about obedience or fullness of joy? Those things sometimes don't really feel like they go together, do they? But Jesus does say that to experience his joy, we have to keep his commands. He associates fullness of joy with full obedience. And it's really interesting that if you look in John's Gospel up to this point, the word joy has only been used once so far in chapter 3 by John the Baptist. But in the upper room, as Jesus is facing the cross, he uses the word joy seven times. We can learn something from that. Leon Morris, who's a New Testament scholar, says the world can only offer joy when things are going well. It's relatively easy to be full of joy when you have a satisfying, well-paid job and good health. But it's only those who know Christ who can say we glory in our sufferings or consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds. We can stay in that place of joy because we know that God is with us in whatever trial we're facing. And we can also be expectant that we can remain, abide in his love. Because Jesus says in John 15 and verse 9, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. I think that's a staggering statement. Just as the Father has perfectly loved his Son through all eternity, never wavering in his love, so Jesus loves us, his people. And that, I think, is the greatest motive for why we should want to abide in Christ, so that we can constantly live in the safety of his infinite and utterly inexhaustible love. So when we think about Jesus' call to abide, where do you find yourself now? Where's your heart? What's the state of your heart? 
Be honest with yourself. Maybe you've never followed Jesus. So your first step is to take that move towards him to to start to say, Jesus, I want to trust you. I want to be able to abide in you. I want to know your presence all the time in my life. Maybe you haven't really got a routine of spending time in the presence of God, of abiding with him. Maybe it's a bit hit and miss. Maybe it's regular routine for you. Or maybe you're really solid in your seeking God every day and spending time in his presence. We want to be completely upfront. The goal of this mini-series is to help everybody establish daily habits that are going to help them abide in Jesus. We're never really going to be able to follow Jesus. And we're certainly not going to live life to the full until we're able to do what Jesus said. We want to engage in life-giving practices, things that are going to lead to us forming our spiritual life with him. But we want to offer opportunities. These are not obligations. There are opportunities to live centred on God's love, not obligations to earn his love. So how are we going to do it? Well, here are two little insights. Make good habits easier and make distracting habits harder. So I think Becky spoke last week a little bit about habit stacking, which is the principle that you layer a new habit that you want to form on top of an existing habit that you already have. So this is really helpful if you've got no routine or you're a little bit hit and miss. So if you have a habit that happens every day in your life that's not too mentally demanding, like showering or brushing your teeth or making a hot drink, stack the habit that you want, i.e., listening to Jesus, becoming aware of his presence, onto that pattern that's already established. For example, while you wait for the kettle to boil in the morning, rather than dashing around and making your sarnies for lunch and, you know, pouring your cereal into your bowl, rather than doing that, while you wait for the kettle to boil, just stop and say, God, let me be aware of your presence. Or, you're probably wondering what this natty little clip is that's hanging on my thing. This is a Wellington boot clip that we got. I don't know if we were, we probably nicked it. It came from a sh- <laughs> when we were buying shoes in a shop. You know where they hang your shoes? Um, this is a very handy thing because it hangs your phone in the shower so that you, you do this. Well, this is Andrew's trick, actually. He takes his phone, he hangs it on here, he puts it on the shower rail, and Andrew listens to the audio Bible every day in the shower. There's your answer. Stack the habit of listening to the Bible with a a cunning little clip and listen to the Bible every day when you're showering. It's a really good way to stack a habit onto another habit. Don't go nicking clips from shops. I'm not saying that. Go and buy a pair of shoes that's got a clip on it. Or get a clip. Or make a clip. Get a clothes peg and put a clip on it. Somehow you can do it, I'm sure. So that's one thing. Stacking a new habit on top of an existing habit. A small habit is an entry point. It's not the end point. Once you've started doing a good thing, it's really easy to expand it. You can't upgrade what you haven't already established. Secondly, make distracting habits harder. So for example... Put apps that distract you on the second page of your phone. If there's a game that hooks you in every time, or if it's your Facebook or your Instagram or your Pinterest or whatever it is, don't have it on the front screen so that as soon as you open your phone, you go, oh, it drags you in. Put it on the next screen or put it in a folder or put a time limit on on it or something. You can let this be an ally in your plan to abide. Download an app or two that will help you connect with God. There's some really good ones. I'll mention a few in a moment. So if you've got no routine, try habit stacking. 
Try the big three. We've, we've banged on about this for about 18 months or two years or something, but it's really good. It's a great place to start learning to abide in the presence of God. Come to church every week. If you're hit and miss, do a Bible reading plan. Go on the YouVersion Bible app, which you can find on your phone. There's a really good one called Discipleship Journal. It's a reading plan. It says um, five minutes a day, five days a week, five ways to dig deeper, and you'll cover the whole of the New Testament in a year. Do it with your small group. Encourage one another. Be accountable to one another. Set reminders on your phone. There are so many different ways to get these good habits into our lives. If you're regular... If it's, if it's part of your habit already to spend time in God's presence, refresh your routine. Use some other resources. Download Lectio 365. Download Live From Rest. Ask other people who spend time with God for some new and innovative ways that you can connect because there are always new ways to connect with God. And if you're solid, mentor someone else. Encourage someone else who's finding it a bit harder. So as we think about this invitation to abide, Jesus concludes with some powerful words in John 15 and verse 15. He says this, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Living out of our identity on who we are is key. Agreeing with God, settling our identity is the foundation for sustained change. Let me give you an illustration. Imagine two people who've both had a history of smoking, trying to resist the offer of a cigarette from a friend. And the first person says, no, thank you, I'm trying to quit. Now, that sounds really reasonable, but actually that person in their heart still believes that they're a smoker who is trying to be someone else. They're hoping that their behaviour will change, but they're still carrying around the same internal beliefs that they are a smoker. The second person says, no, thanks, I'm not a smoker. It's a really small difference, but that signal shifts, that statement signals a shift in identity. Smoking has been part of my life, but I've made the decision that it no longer is. They are living out of a new identity. So what do you believe deep down? Are you trying harder or are you a friend of God? Are you trying harder to be a better Christian? Are you trying to pray more? Are you trying to read the Bible every day? Are you trying to stop and be still and trying to do it better? But Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Are you living from the place where you know that you're a friend of God? Friends enjoy being together. Jesus is a true friend and saviour, and he's for me like nobody else. I want to hang on every word he said. Servants have a list of jobs to be done. Friends get to enjoy each other's company. So we're called to abide in Jesus, to be formed, to be fruitful, to become aware of his presence, to let his, his word be in us, to integrate it into our daily life, to direct our prayers to God and to live expectant that he is going to form fruit in us as we abide in him. So as we come to the end of the talk today, I want to make space for us to be still. And uh, in this series, we are trying to teach some little formation exercises that you might be able to integrate into your daily time with God. And I want to um, engage us right now in something called a breath prayer. Now, it's a little bit like what we did earlier, becoming aware of our breathing. This might be new to you, it might be familiar, but it's an ancient Christian prayer practice from the very early centuries of the church. And breath prayer represents a tangible reminder of how close God is to us. 
Just as we can't live very long on one breath of air, our lungs need air constantly and our souls need God constantly. So I'm going to invite you to participate now just for a few minutes. It's going to be long enough to be meaningful, but not too long to be awkward. And uh, we're going to sit in stillness. So can I encourage you to uncross your legs? If you feel comfortable, close your eyes. If you don't, then focus on one point in the room. And as we breathe, become aware of the rise and fall of your stomach as the air enters and then leaves your body. As we breathe in and we breathe out. And in the stillness, choose to be aware of the presence of God. And as we do this, I'm going to lead some moments and I'm going to leave some spaces free for your own prayer. So we inhale and we exhale. Keep a gentle pace. Breathing in and breathing out. Breathing in and breathing out. And as we do this, we find a piece of scripture with just one phrase that we can repeat as we breathe in and we breathe out. So today we're going to use Psalm 62 and verse 1. It says, my soul finds rest in you alone. So as we breathe in, you can say to yourself, my soul finds rest. And as you breathe out, in you alone. My soul finds rest in you alone. My soul finds rest in you alone. You might sense God speaking to you, or you might simply be aware of his presence and his closeness. My soul finds rest in you alone. Let him speak to you. conclude this time with the words of Jesus. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Now remain in my love. Amen. So that's an exercise that you can try for yourself. It's very simple. Just pick a little bit of scripture, divide it into two bits, and sit with it and pray it and let it permeate into you. And you'll find it very, very 
centering, very relaxing. It's, breathing is good in all kinds of different ways, meant for your mental health, for your physical health. It's a very good thing to do. It combats anxiety. Go and look at the health, health benefits of slowing your breathing. We're going to put some other resources in the small group notes for this week. Um, other ways that you can spend time abiding with Jesus, other ways that you can find places of presence and stillness with God. But I think now we're going to move into a time of worship and um, we'll do some ministry after that. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.